welcome to F is for Film. Our uh, guest today is Maya Albanese, and the film is Freeze. I'm excited to dive into this film, which is quite a little ride, but I wanted to find out a bit more about your past first, Maya, and how you got to this point. Well, it's a long and twisty route to how I got to where I am. Uh, it happened very organically. And everything I've always done has been a combination of visual art, storytelling, and activism. And so, you know, I did various things within those, those areas from being, you know, a painter and a photographer and a journalist, and also working in sustainability with companies. And then I finally kind of honed in on filmmaking as the thing that made my clock tick and I feel is my life calling, which uses all of those things. And so I started in documentary filmmaking that really was great for my activist spirit. But what I've discovered is that satire is really my favorite thing, scripted films and satire, because you're able to world build and, and be incredibly imaginative and, and for me to exercise the visual artist in me, but still make commentary on society or social systems. And so that's, that's kind of what Freeze is. It really certainly is. And what inspired Freeze? Well, I think any woman near my age will watch it and feel that it was inspired by their own life. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I'd like to say it's the most honest and raw film I've ever made. It's highly autobiographical. But at the same time, I really do, based on the response I've gotten from it, feel like it's, it's a collective female experience that's on the screen in Freeze. And, you know, I was really inspired by Voltaire's famous novel, Candide, which I grew up reading a lot. And, you know, in there you have a male protagonist navigating a world gone wrong and he sort of gets pissed on at every turn. And what it says about the society around him is really what Candide is about. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to have a female Candide named Joy and see what a, you know, a 30 something woman in the 2020s navigating the patriarchy how she gets pissed on at every corner and and how that relates to her perception of herself and her self-worth and her own fertility. You know, and I thought it was interesting that you chose to tell the story with a very whimsical, almost cartoonish setup. But then there was a bit of a, almost a horror film-like atmosphere created. It re- and I think the combination was very unexpected, but really, really effective. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think I said, you know, it's the most honest film I've ever made. Part of that is the tone. I don't know if anything you see in Freeze is so intentional or if it's literally just my sense of humor and my artist point of view. I don't I couldn't really put my finger on why it is the way it is, except that it's you know, I did want it to feel like a tragic comedy. So a little bit operatic Mm -hmm. and definitely so messed up. It's funny is the tone. So a scene could be actually I found quite polarizing where, you know, the inciting incident scene in the film, a lot of people think is really sad and a lot of people think it's it's hilarious. So I like that, that that's kind of the tone I was going for. You know, my my director idols growing up were were directors like Terry Gilliam. And so I, I do like caricatures. I do like things a bit cartoonish. I think that's part of the fun of it. And I also think like when you're telling stories about something that is deeply personal to you and other people as fertility can be. It's just much more engaging, I think, to create something entertaining, whimsical or funny around it than to make something dark and serious only. Yeah. And I I, <laughs> I was particularly struck by the fact that you had eggs in almost every scene, which I thought was hilarious. 
just the funniest visual pun. Yeah, there are <laughs> Easter eggs in every scene of Freeze, pun intended. Literally and figuratively, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple like visual metaphors and like literal visual cues that I peppered throughout the film, obviously eggs being a big one and clocks. There's a clock in almost every single scene, even if you're not really noticing it, it's there. Because <laughs> the film's about time and, and running out of time and, and what that does to women's eggs and everybody else's opinion about that woman's eggs. So, and then there's other little things like, you know, in the bookstore, all the books are written for women, but by men. And the bookstore is called Yield Man Bookstore and, and things like that. So I really tried to you know, again, just like grew up loving Tim Burton and Terry Gilliam and, 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 and truth be told, if I, if I had more money and it wasn't, you know, a short film, I, I would have done way more stuff like that. Of course, I look at it and see all the things that I wanted ballooned or exaggerated more. But as we all know, as, as indie filmmakers, production design is often the most difficult thing. And you have to find lots of creative workarounds to world build on a shoestring budget. I mean, it looked fantastic. And, you know, speaking of this production, I want to talk about your your central performance. Joy was remarkable. I mean, she'd covered so much territory emotionally and gave us a really very full performance in a short period of time. And the rest of the supporting cast was quite amazing, too. Talk about your experiences collaborating with, with your actors and how you wound up with this cast. Yeah, I love every actor in this film. Obviously, I was incredibly blessed to work with all of them, most of them being known actors and extremely talented. Man, they're all so different. I think the coolest thing was just we were, I was lucky I got a rehearsal. And in rehearsal, I really realized that like they were all so different. And some of them had like Mindy Sterling and Rick Overton, who play the parents, are, I could watch them rehearse for like three months straight. They are so funny. And what you see there is like total natural chemistry of them. I, Nora Zetner really had the hardest job of anyone. Obviously, she's the one actor that appears in every scene. But being the subject of a satire about being pissed on at every corner isn't an easy thing to ask someone to do, not only because we're literally turning the sprinklers on on her in the middle of winter and like things like that, <laughs> but also because she has to convey a lot with her her face and, and her emotions about what it feels like to be the subject of these things. And I thought she did an incredible job at that, at, at telling emotion with her eyes. And obviously she's, you know, has an incredibly photogenic face. And yeah, she won at our premiere at Series Fest this year, she won the Best Actress Award. So that was really exciting too. And I hope to, you know, work with all these actors for the rest of my life. Yeah, she was amazing. And and I, I thought you're right. I mean, there she has very few lines, really, when you think about it. Everybody else is talking around her. She, however, has this incredible inner life that really does come forward. So I guess maybe my question is really this. I, mean, I want to talk a bit more about the responses you've gotten. How have men reacted to the film? Well, I will say, starting in prep, I was most pleasantly surprised by how men reacted. Obviously, I wrote the film as catharsis for my experience as a woman, and there's definitely some frustration I was exercising on the page. But I think because I chose satire and caricatures, it, you're, you get a pass to kind of poke fun at, at things. And I really wanted all the men in it. I wanted Nora to feel almost just like a dramatic actor and all the men to feel like overblown caricatures of all that type of guy. Right. <laughs> so what was really shocking was we, we did some auditions for the film before we ended up going off or only on every single part because of the caliber of actors we got. But we 
in the auditions, every man who auditioned just wanted to talk to us for so long, me and my producers about their experience with, with fertility, with like, you know, IVF or, you know, every man has women in their life, whether it's wife, girlfriend, daughter, sister. And so I think there was this desire to like loosen up about this topic, to talk about it openly. And it was as interesting to men as it was to women. They wanted to understand more how to be better partners or, or fill in the blank. And so it felt almost like a therapy session for the men. It was so, and then, and then too, also, yeah, in, in the reception of the film, obviously in 2020, I haven't gotten the full blown sit in a theater with in 20 different countries, seeing how people react, unfortunately. But I, I would say there is a scene, it doesn't seem to be polarizing whatsoever between men and women. It seems like equal parts men and women respond to it. Obviously women respond to it in a different way but equally positive. So that kind of has empowered me because all my upcoming work I'm writing features male characters and female protagonists. So I, I hope, hope this bodes well for my <laughs> You know, you mentioned earlier that there are always inevitable challenges on, on productions. What were some of yours? Oh, gosh. I mean, every, yeah. I mean, all in all, I will say that making Freeze is the best experience in my life so far. It was so fun. And I guess I never realized like, cause I, I, I'm a commercial director and I've made documentaries and I was just like, I, this is everything I want to do for the rest of my life. So it gets a hundred percent positive review, the experience for me, everybody, everyone knows that productions have fires and things like that. I mean, again, I think the biggest challenge is I want to do these fantastical films that have 25 to 100 VFX shots in them and our world building. And until you get to a certain budget level, it's just a constant challenge. You have to find workarounds. And there's an anecdote I've told in a couple other Q and A's, but you know, I wanted the opening scene to be this really Kubrick like weird futuristic fertility laboratory, which some of them now actually look like that. And what we decided was the only way we could achieve that feel was to shoot just like on a blank white psych take the one cryogenic freezer we could afford to rent and then mark the white floor and in post clone all the scientists and the freezers. So when you're seeing the op the cold open of freeze, you're seeing a doctored shot because we couldn't afford all those things, basically. It looks fantastic, by the way. It really does. Yeah, there's 500 more, though, where that came from of like how how to, you know, make things on a low budget. So there's never enough time and money in filmmaking. But it's, it's strange, though, how it inspires creativity, doesn't it? That, that in a way, poverty of budget can make you rich in creativity. And that, that opening sequence is really fantastic. I, I was struck by how well choreographed it was and the timing of it and sort of the still effect was, it was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I think I agree with your comment about like resource constraint. You know, it's a well-known thing that we adapt and get creative as is hopefully going to happen after this year in <laughs> general with artists. <laughs> and, but I think, I think the hardest thing is just like not even the materials anecdotes. It's, it's the people who worked on freeze. Like for example, the VFX artists are world-class. I mean, and it's, it's really hard when you're a filmmaker, emerging filmmaker to ask people who you know are worth this much to work for this much. To me, that's the most painful part of filmmaking is I want to pay everyone a million dollars because I'm incredibly grateful and blessed for everyone who made the vision of that film and, and any of my future films, you know, come to the screen. So yeah, <laughs> you can be creative and find workarounds, but you still need technicians to work on it. 
You do, and you need to. And yes, you, if you can't pay them, you feed them well. But I, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you. Speaking of the, speaking of the future, what is next for you? Yeah, I mean, again, twenty twenty. Uh, I think we all thought we knew what was next. I'm not sure exactly which thing will come next. As sure as I would have been in February of this year. But I did write a feature film that's also wacky, surrealistic, otherworldly, more leaning towards the thriller horror and a little less comedy. That is like my my baby, my my biggest passion project. And we're also pitching Freeze as a bigger show. So, you know, between getting Freeze made as a show and getting my my feature made, I've got my work cut out for me for the next bit here. Well, I hope that the current success of Freeze will put some wind in your sails. It's uh, it's a it's a great effort, and I have to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I think you did a wonderful job, and uh, kudos to you. Thanks so much. I, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for the conversation. I appreciate it, Maya, and good luck at Holly Shorts. I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs>